Welcome to Green and Gold Forever. I'm Eric Jews, broadcasting from Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here by Matt McLean out in lacrosse. And what a wild one that was at Lambeau Field yesterday. A very strange game indeed. Uh, lots of things to talk about from this one. But the biggest of all being, it's nice to see them win a football game after the debacle that happened last Monday night. I've been seeing on uh, Yahoo and some other places around the internet that's now been dubbed the Fail Mary. Uh, so I wonder if that'll stick. But Matt, what were your early impressions of the win yesterday and just how big of a win was it? Oh, I think it was huge for sure. I think even if they would have lost, I wasn't going to panic. It would have been a really tough pill to swallow, though, with the way the game went. But mm-hmm. kind of going into the season, we looked at this opening stretch, and we thought 2-2, two and 1-3, two, and three, they'd probably still be in pretty good a pretty good situation to uh, make a playoff push now that they've kind of gotten to their easier part of the schedule. So I think it's big in terms of they overcame a lot. I think in terms of the actual win itself, maybe not crucial, not definitely not like a must-win, but mm-hmm. I think as how things went last Monday and how things were kind of turning with the referees and other things. And this week I think it ended up being pretty huge. Yeah, i got to agree with you on that. I was trying to gauge this win in terms of how it ranks amongst other ones. And I know they had a lot of really big wins last year, but to me this almost felt like their biggest win since the Super Bowl. And uh, it might sound kind of crazy, but if you look at this team since December of 2010, they haven't had a lot of things go against them. Uh, they've always been good enough to overcome any kind of mistakes or just so much better than their opponents that they really haven't had to worry about some of these fluky things that cost teams games a lot. And the times they have happened, uh, obviously in Seattle, some weird stuff happened in that Giants game. You know, they fumbled more times in that game than they did the whole season. Um, then they had some strange things happen to them in Kansas City with drop passes. This team, and even going back to Rodgers' first year starting in 2008, this team doesn't win when weird stuff happens to them, it seems. And for them to have just a game where you get the regular referees back and they're still making the same kind of blunders that the replacement officials were making, you have your challenges go away on one call that was probably a a bad challenge in the Jordy Nelson, and then you have the, the Jimmy Graham play, which further illustrates that I have no idea what's a catch in the NFL these days. And then you have the most fluky injury of Aaron Rodgers getting poked in the eye, followed by an unimaginable play with Graham Harrell fumbling the ball away, and all of a sudden you're down uh, 24-21, it looks like you might come back, Aaron Rodgers throws an interception, and it looks like the collapsed Packers 101 loss, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then yeah, it, they overcome it and they win, which is something that this team doesn't do when they're faced with that kind of adversity in recent years. You're right, and it, it just had that feel of a game that they were going to lose uh, once all that stuff started going wrong. And you're right, not only is it just like a Packers-type thing where that's the kind of game they lose, but that's a game that most teams lose. The Saints didn't make those kind of big mistakes. You know, we had, the, the like you said, the bad challenge by McCarthy at first, and then the one that should have been overturned. There was absolutely no way that I think that should have stood. You could see the ball bouncing on the ground. I agree. I thought that was a horrible call. And then the fumble after the fluky Rodgers injury, the Rodgers interception... You know, it just it had that feel like that's a game that you lose. The other team's making less mistakes than you are, uh, and that's the kind of game that you lose. But for them to somehow pull it out, very unpackers-like, and really just not something you see often for a team to kind of have those kind of mistakes and that kind of stuff going against them to still be able to pull that out, it was, it was pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I would be curious to see what the atmosphere was like in the stadium. Uh, I, my boss went, but I didn't get a chance to talk to him much about it. 
that felt like a soccer crowd if they would have lost that game. Yeah. I, I don't know what was going to happen. They had completely turned on the officials, and I think rightfully so to some degree. Obviously, we don't want them to... I had heard they gave death threats to the officials that screwed up Monday night, which that's not cool, but you can boo them and whatnot. Right. Um, but I, I just felt like uh, Caleb, who's uh, you know our, our great fan who's always interacting with us, and um, pretty much uh, a lot of people who listen to this podcast know that you know he's a member of our, our family. And and I was watching the game with him yesterday, and after Graham Harrell uh, fumbled that ball and it turned over, he just says, "Is this really what our season is going to be like?" And I think everybody had that feeling, including the players. We're, this is just going to be the year where nothing goes right. This is going to be 2008 all over again, where we feel like we have a good team. There's no reason we shouldn't win these games, and then every single week we find a new way to lose. Yeah. And this kind of felt like the start of that kind of season. And then to have, I think this might be Aaron Rodgers' most gutsy performance in a long time. Yeah, he, I would agree. He played great. To get poked in the eye, I think people don't realize how devastating of an injury that had the potential to be. And he was probably in a lot of pain. I'd gotten poked in the eye with like a piece of paper before, and I couldn't see anything for the next hour. And he almost got, you know, I mean, the guy grasped at his nose and like dug right into his face, and he was able to come back, lead him on a game-winning touchdown. Uh, Rodgers was phenomenal yesterday. Yeah, you're right. And you kind of think he got poked in the eye. Why is he not coming back in there? But when you think of somebody like you or me getting poked in the eye, it's probably you accidentally bump into something that lightly touches your eye and you're still squinting for 10 minutes. Yeah. Think about this. I mean, you got a big old defensive player coming at you, swatting at your eyeball with his glove on. I mean, there could have been some serious damage to say, you know, his retina or something Mm -hmm. a lot more serious than just a painful eye that you can't (laughs) see out of. So, it's, uh, you know, I, I think it was really gutsy for him to come back out there after that and, and you know, tough it out and, and play so well. So um, I agree. He's he's had a knack to not kind of come through in situations like that. And I'm not putting all the blame on him. I'm not saying it's all his fault. But this team as a whole, and mm-hmm. just to see him and them do this yesterday, it was a big step for them, I think. And, um, you know, it, did, it does kind of have that feel maybe that, you know, everything's going wrong. I don't know if you agree with me, but I just from watching this team – Minus week one, obviously. I feel like this team looks better than they did last year when they went 15-1. and one. Maybe that's just me. I think they might be more balanced than they were last year. The offense is clearly not better. Right, you're right. And like we've talked about, though, they're not going to be better. I don't know. Aaron Rodgers could play another 10 years, and it's highly unlikely he'll have another season like last year. I, mean, I think, that, I think having the added run game... and. To me, even though they allowed 450 passing yards or whatever it was yesterday, they just look a lot more complete. And I think, to me, that has the feel of a better team that has more of a potential to maybe be a Super Bowl winner, more like the 2010 team as opposed to the last year's team, where you knew if they caught a bad matchup that they were going to be in big-time trouble like they did against New York. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they definitely have a more diverse attack this year. They have more options. You you count on Cedric Benson to be able to get it done if he has to, whereas last year, like against Kansas City, no way Kansas City beats the Packers if they had Cedric Benson last year. Yeah. Um, And so I I definitely agree with that. I would say that um, they seem better at this point of the year other than last year. I mean, if you think of 2009, they started two and two. They lost to the Bengals at home, who you know, I know was a playoff team, but and then they got torched by Minnesota. Then in uh, 2010, when they actually won the Super Bowl, they started three and three, lost to Washington, they lost to um, Miami. Miami, and Aaron Rodgers started that year. I remember when he went into that Monday Night game against uh, Brett Favre's Vikings, he had 11 touchdowns and nine interceptions after six games. So, I mean, they've started slow before, and. 
last year is an anomaly. We almost should never look at it again. It just is such a weird year that you're never going to be on a roll like that probably ever again. But to see them be able to overcome a lot of things where it seemed like the whole world was was ganging up on uh, on them yesterday, and I'm not saying it was a conspiracy or anything. I kind of alluded to that on Twitter, but I was mainly making a joke, where it just seems like, for lack of a better term, that the football gods don't want you to win, and, and they're able to, to still win. Um, and maybe we could get into some of the specifics of that. Um, I guess we kind of touched on Aaron Rodgers. Uh, James Jones, uh, <laughs> people wanting to trade him, and all of a sudden he looks like the best receiver on the team. Yeah, he was incredible yesterday. I've it's well documented that I've not been the biggest James Jones fan over his career here, and everybody who watches games with me knows that. But how he played yesterday was absolutely incredible. I have chills just thinking about it right now. He, it just seems to me in the past he's been the guy that seems like he's replaceable if any of those receivers are. Mm-hmm. He seems to make a lot of big gaffes and mistakes and drop balls like in the Super Bowl. And it just seemed like, well, he gets open a lot, but what does he really do? But yesterday was incredible. I mean, not only the two touchdowns, but that catch at the end of the game was one of the craziest things oh, yeah. I've ever seen. And I don't think that's getting enough publicity right now. That was incredible. And I I was up running around and screaming after he caught that. And that was, you know, that was such a big game to me to win. And for him to do that, it, it really proved a lot to me. I know it's only one game, and I think he only actually had like 60 yards or something like that. Yeah, I think but, it was 5 for 56. Yeah, that's about the biggest 56 yards that you could have if that's all you're going to have. It was it was a great game, and I'm sure he's probably had bigger games statistically, but to me that was his biggest game as a Packer. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that. Uh, that catch on third down was... <laughs> I, I was just... The first thing I thought of, you mean the guy who dropped four surefire touchdowns in 2010 is catching a ball while he's getting pushed over with one hand against the side of his thigh. Yeah. And he's on his way down before he's even down. He's already signaling first down. He secured it basically with one hand. Mm-hmm. And um, we couldn't believe what that Saints guy was doing. I'm not sure who was covering him. But um, I'll say this real quick. A couple of things about the Saints before we go more in, the, in depth on the Packers. Two things I'm going to ask you, and I'm going to see if you agree with me. I think that's probably one of the best... 0-4 teams you'll ever see, and after seeing them play every play, and after every play, is there any doubt in your mind that that team had a bounty program? All right, well, with the first part, absolutely. I mean, this team is for real still. They've caught some bad breaks. I think the Kansas City game is one that they cost themselves. They should have won, but really, they've looked pretty good, and for them to be 0-4, it's, it's kind of shocking. I think they'll probably turn it around and win some games. But I know both of us predicted them to miss the playoffs, so we're looking pretty smart right now. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, they're they're for real. I mean, the defense is, isn't great. Obviously, we, we took them apart a little bit yesterday. But that offense is good enough to carry them and win some more games. And I think they'll probably end up closer to 500 and going on a little run here. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, you're right. I, I guess I've heard a lot about the dirtiness, and I did see a little bit of it yesterday. I don't, maybe if you want to point some more of those things out to me today. I guess it didn't stick out to me as much as it seems like it did to everybody else. I know the the Dave Thomas uh, Woodson blocking on Woodson was was a big one, but for the most part, I guess nothing really stood out to me too much. I don't think that that face mask on Rodgers was intentional. I I don't know. I guess there wasn't a ton to me. I, there it was chippy at times, but I guess I didn't come come out with the game feeling that 
they were overly dirty or anything like that. Well, I think the face masks are a big problem because uh, apparently they haven't watched football since the face mask was instituted, uh, so they don't tend to realize that once you grab onto it, you have to let go. The Randall <laughs> Cobb one was horrible. Um, it's clearly he grabbed him. He knew he had him. He didn't let go. And the one that bothers me about the Rodgers one is you can miss and hit his face mask, but he grab. that's how he poked him in the eye. He grabs the top of his nose. I mean, yeah. th- there's no doubt in my mind he was grabbing for the face mask. And maybe he's just grabbing for anything. I'm not a defensive lineman, so I don't know. And the other one that really bothered me is the Jordy Nelson touchdown, where the guy has got the ball. Well, it should have been an interception for the Saints, obviously, because it was a simultaneous uh, catch by the two guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. But... <laughs> but he just wouldn't let go, and he wouldn't get off of Jordy. And that was the one where Jordy just got up, and he eventually ripped the ball away, and he spiked it so hard that he fell to the ground. And uh, and the guy who was uh, covering him started getting into it a little bit with some of the offensive linemen and some of the other receivers. It, it It's almost like... I don't know, they probably feel like the world's against them this year. So I understand some of the chippiness, but you're not doing much for your reputation as the guys who were just out the last three years trying to hurt people doing these kind of things after every single play. Yeah, I I can see where you're coming from. I guess I'm going to agree to disagree a little bit here. I, 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 Well, I obviously think that they had a bounty system. I'm not going to deny that. and I know there's no proof yet or anything, but I... I feel like things like that don't just appear out of thin air. There is probably some cause for the NFL to believe that there was something like that. But I don't know. I I don't think they were overly dirty. I know you're moving a million miles a minute when you're in there at defensive line coming after a quarterback. It's hard to see exactly what you're getting. Mm-hmm. I And I think the main thing is they were 0-3. They're frustrated. And you might say, well, their coach should tell them that, you know, we got to you know look at what happened last year, use it as a learning tool not do it again this year, but they don't even have a head coach. Yeah. So they don't have that voice who's telling them, you know, guys, we got to learn from this. We can't, even though people think we did it, we got to show them that we're a nice, clean football team. But they don't have their coach or their backup coach right now. They don't have that guy telling them that they have to do that. I think they're frustrated, and there's nobody telling them to play differently. They're just letting it go, and I think that uh, any team in that kind of a situation would be looking kind of similar to what they looked like yesterday. And that's a fair point, and, and there's players like uh, James Harrison <laughs> that never learn. I mean, even yeah. though he's got that reputation and it's cost him a lot of money, uh, they just don't seem to care about uh, the perception. They'd rather be a tough football team, which I guess I understand. I, I shudder to think what that team would be like if Drew Brees wasn't on it right now. Oh, that would be a mess. If it, Any other quarterback, really, in the league, I think, and that team's a mess. Mm-hmm. I think he's probably the best leader at quarterback there is, mm-hmm. and... Yeah, I think any other quarterback, even if it's another elite quarterback, you put Rodgers or Brady, they're just not that voice on the team that he is. And I think you're right. I think any other quarterback on that team, and they're the Detroit Lions in the offseason. Yeah, I mean, this guy, he just always keeps his cool, and he seems to, to keep his head up. And, and I mean, there's it's hard to argue anybody better than him as far as the on-the-field product. Uh, 446 yards, three touchdowns yesterday. Um so I guess, is there anything else on the offense you'd want to address? Uh, Cedric Benson, nice production again. Yeah, Benson looked great. Like, this is exactly what I was hoping for, and I was hoping I didn't get made look like an idiot when I said that he was <laughs> going to come in here and get these yards that we weren't getting last year. And I was a little worried about the fumbling. It hasn't been a problem so far. But just the effort you see, he's I guarantee he's not faster than James Starks. Mm-hmm. But he moves so much quicker, and he hits the hole so much quicker. Decisive. And just that... That powerful, like, Marshawn Lynch-like burst after he gets the ball, it just makes him look so much faster than these other guys that we've had in there. And 
it's uh it's been fun to watch and it's it's nice i like you know i kind of have the feeling sometimes like why run it we're just going to get a first down every time we try to throw it anyways but it's really nice to have that balance and know it's an option and even in games where we might not be able to go to it as much if say if we're behind or something uh, it's really nice to know you have that and he's looked incredible so far yeah, and he's a lot better of a pass receiver than I thought he was, uh, quite yeah. frankly. He seems to be very good at that. Uh, I, I don't know how much confidence Mike McCarthy still has in his running game, third and three with the game on the line yesterday. Shotgun formation, four wide receivers, so uh, <laughs> I guess it's a it's a process. But yeah, I agree. Uh, Cedric Benson's uh, been phenomenal, and uh, if you you listen on the radio today, Matt, he falls forward. You know, so that's that's always the good. Uh, you know, it's like Clay Matthews is a, is a motor guy, right? And you right. know, a lot of those really really uh, well uh, well noticed points, like he falls forward. So yeah, we, and it's a cliche, but it's I mean, think no, about I the know. guys we've had. It's it's it is a cliche, but it's absolutely true. I mean, Starks and Brandon Jackson and all these other guys. Grant maybe a little bit did, but. It just seems like shifting around so much, getting plowed backwards, and it's nice to actually have a guy who's running forward all the time. Yeah, what happened to the Badgers and Packers? Did they switch running games? Because uh, now all of a sudden, Monty Ball can't get past the line of scrimmage anymore. Yeah, it's bizarre. Yeah, not to get too far into that, but um, I guess, is, is there uh, any other things you want to... Well, I suppose uh, maybe one play we should discuss a little bit is the first play of Graham Harrell's young career... Yeah. Uh, in the game there, that was that was pretty bad. I actually heard on the radio this morning somebody called in and they said, "Look at Graham Harrell. He's like, if Aaron Rodgers goes down, we're in big trouble. They better get somebody else." I'm like, really? We talked about this already, but I think they're in big trouble, uh, anyways. I don't think Graham Harrell's uh, fumble yesterday really changed my mind that Aaron Rodgers is this entire team, basically, uh, yeah. as far as their playoffs hopes are concerned. But uh, I felt kind of bad for Graham. Probably the worst. Uh, I don't even know really what happened. I don't think he tripped on anything but his own two feet. I think I think he might have gotten a little piece of Saturday's leg or foot. I think it was, but uh, you're right. It's uh, it's a tough way to start your first play of your NFL career, and it it might not have even been completely his fault. But just to come in there and do that when your team's at the one, it it just is like kind of what we were thinking about him all preseason long. You're right. It, I don't feel any different that this team would be a complete mess without Rodgers, anyways, but. I also don't feel any different about Graham Harrell just not being an NFL starting quarterback. Mm-hmm. He, uh, I know it's one play and it's tough, but it just how do you come in there and do that on your first play? He played at Texas Tech for, what, three seasons? Four yeah, seasons? and he never handed the ball once out of the regular uh, under center formation probably. You know what, you're right. That might actually have a little something to do with it. His first time in a game, probably he's been under center in a long time. So, But he's been here for three years. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, he's done it in practice enough where that shouldn't have been an issue, but... Probably a lot of nerves going and just makes one, you know, a little slip up and then that's all she wrote and we lose the ball. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I, we are in trouble if Rodgers goes down. But I would like t- to see them have somebody that you'd at least feel comfortable enough to be a game manager and not be a complete implosion on the field. And mm-hmm. I'd feel like Graham Harrell would have no chance out there if he had to go out there and play any significant time. I, I agree completely. But I guess to play devil's advocate just a little bit, did anybody have any confidence in Matt Flynn being any good prior to that New England game when he was no. here for two years? So, And he was awful in that Rodgers concussion game in Detroit. He came in and he was terrible. Uh, he mm-hmm. could hardly move the ball. He was overthrowing people. He threw one of the worst interceptions I've ever seen on the goal line. And then he comes and plays in New England and he looks absolutely great. So hopefully they can 
if they ever needed to, they would be able to get Graham Harrell, uh, his level of play up a little bit before him actually having to start. Um, but, you know, if, if you need him for more than a spot start, uh, you're probably in trouble regardless. Right. One of the things I did hear about that play, though, that I guess I'll bring up quickly as I was looking at the stat sheet here, is um, somebody had mentioned Randall Cobb uh, out of the Wildcat, perhaps, and just a direct snap to him. The whole world knows you're running anyway, so what's right. the difference? Why risk a, a miscue on the uh, quarterback center running back exchange? What are your thoughts on that? I, I wouldn't mind seeing it a little bit, I guess. I, uh, I think he definitely needs to get the ball in his hands more often, and if that's what you have to do, then do it. But I think I would almost rather not mess with that if we don't have to and maybe just get him a few more screens and a few more slant routes. Just put the ball in his hands and... I, I think he's maybe a little small to be ramming into the line on plays like that. Mm-hmm. And he, like you said, he has absolutely no threat to throw the ball, whereas most of these guys can a little bit. Well, mm-hmm. I guess as far as I know, maybe he's a great passer, but yeah. not that we've seen. But I think that before you start getting into that, I think that that's kind of a desperate team's thing to do is to start putting people in the wildcat. And I think that there's other ways we can get him the ball without having to resort to that. Yeah, I, I think I would agree. I'm, just for that one situation, it might have been okay. Speaking of desperate things to do when you're a desperate team, uh, before we wrap up the offense here, the offensive line played pretty well yesterday. Aaron Rodgers looked a lot better uh, throwing on the run than he has so far this year, and everybody knows that's one of his strengths, but he just wasn't doing it very well in the early part of this season. He was absolutely phenomenal on that touchdown pass to Jones uh, in the first quarter yesterday. Are you getting tired of Brian Bulaga jumping off sides and trying to get people to uh, get in a, a, on a or what is that called when the the defensive player neutral zone infraction yeah yeah where he tries to get the the offensive lineman jumps as a reaction to the defensive lineman and he seems to be waiting for that and he comes up right away and starts pointing I'm like that's like something you know UL Monroe does when they're at Oklahoma I mean you're the Packers just stay put dude <laughs> I don't know if that's if you've even noticed that but that I saw that yesterday that's got to be like the second or third time he's done that this year and it's really starting to get annoying you know it's it doesn't really bother me you watch any game in the, around the league it happens at least once a game and you hear the announcer say oh this is the new thing now this is what they're coaching so I guess it doesn't bother me if you get five yards. I mean, if it's affecting his regular blocking gameplay, like if he's that's all he's waiting for is just these offside penalties. <laughs> oh, yeah. And like you mentioned, he comes up immediately pointing, uh, which you don't really see from any other <laughs> offensive lineman around the league. But I, I don't know. If it gets you five yards, I don't have a problem with it. And I, every other team's doing it, mm-hmm. I guess. You know, if it gets you yardage, why not do it, I guess. But I suppose that's it's it's probably what they're coaching him, so it's not something that really is bothering me. Well, if that's what they're coaching him after the game they had in Seattle, I suggest yeah. that they perhaps <laughs> coach him to block his man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what about the offense's uh, overall performance? Are you starting to feel more confident that they're going to recover out of their early season slump? I, I think we've kind of discussed that, but uh, what is your overall expectations for the remainder of the season uh, for the offense? Well, this is kind of what I was expecting. I know we've talked all along that you've been worried since the preseason, and I wasn't at all, and this is kind of why I feel like this is more what we're going to see throughout the rest of the season. They needed a little time to get going. It is a little concerning to think that that was the, probably the worst secondary and defense in the NFL, but, but maybe it's the catalyst we needed. Maybe it's the bad secondary we needed to play against, get Rodgers going a little bit, get some confidence. But, you know, I'm not worried at all. I've never been worried. I think that they'll be fine, and I think that it's going to keep looking more like this and hopefully even better as the season goes on. So uh, I think I think they're back on track here. 
I hope I hope I'm not just being an optimist when I say that, but I think that they're uh, back on track, and we're going to see probably not quite what we saw last year, but at least a little more similar to it than what we've seen so far up until yesterday. Yeah, I think yesterday was huge, and I remember I said last week that if they didn't put up big numbers against the Saints, then I'd really start to be worried, and especially given the circumstances with Rodgers having to miss a play that likely would have scored a touchdown. Um, you know, he was an eye poke away from maybe five touchdown passes yesterday. Yeah. Uh, so I would say that the offense is is back sort of to normal, especially against a team like uh, New Orleans. Hopefully they can do the same thing against Indianapolis and uh, against the Rams, although I heard people say the Rams have a good defense, but they're still the Rams. Right. Uh, and, and so... I, I'm less concerned than I was. The main reason I was concerned in the preseason is I didn't trust the defense. And I expected the Packers to have to be as good as they were last year on offense to be able to win games. And actually, one of the games they lost this year was completely the offense's fault. <laughs> the defense um, held their end of the, the bargain. So yeah. uh, so we'll see. I think this is a good sign because you got to beat up bad teams like this offensively. So I, I think this is a, a step in the right direction. I'm not ready to say they're fixed yet especially with Greg Jennings' injury situation becoming a problem, and I think he's much more important to the flow of the offense than people would would think. Uh, so we'll see with that, but I'm definitely encouraged that they're at least going to be as good as they were maybe in 2010. Um, 2009, probably not. That 2009 the offense wasn't quite that far off the pace from 2011, to be quite honest with you. So uh, I, I think they'll be able to beat some of these uh, bad teams and score enough to stay in every single game, which is pretty much all you want. Um, speaking of staying in games with high scoring, that, that was a horrible segue, but anyways. It was the return of the 2009 Dom Capers defense. It goes with my theory that he has absolutely no respect for Jay Cutler. He doesn't think he's a very good quarterback because he sends a ton of pressure at him. And then there's guys like Drew Brees uh, kind of echoing what they did against Brett Favre in 09 and Kurt Warner and Ben Roethlisberger, where they just stand there and play zone defense and watch Drew Brees throw for 446 yards until he gets to the red zone. Then they switch to man-to-man, and they shut him down a, a number of times. <laughs> so uh, that was frustrating. Completely agree. It's uh, I think the textbook example for that was the the wild card round against Arizona, where it looked like we didn't have any guys out there playing defense other than the front four. He does that for some reason, and I don't understand. And it just leaves not only are we not getting pressure, but somehow there's nobody covering anybody either. Is he afraid like that they can't if they blitz that there'll be too many open guys? Like I, I don't understand his mentality, but it's it seems like there's something within his game plan that he's afraid to do to these elite quarterbacks that he's not afraid to do to guys like Jay Cutler and and other guys that he doesn't have as much respect for. You're right. And it seems like the cliche that how do you beat a good quarterback? You put pressure on him. And that that seems like We'll put pressure on anybody. We'll send everybody, unless it's a good quarterback. <laughs> it, it seems kind of backwards. And well, Drew Brees can't beat the zone defense, can he? I mean, gosh, I mean, he, he's never seen anything like that zone defense we ran yesterday. So that's a good strategy for uh, uh, maybe Johnny Unitas in his rookie year. But I yeah, don't know. No. I, don't, I don't mind that against maybe like Russell Wilson or like Andrew Luck, maybe even because you know, a rookie quarterback, but if you're going against Drew Brees and you try to run a zone, that just seems foolish to me, unless you're doing different kinds of zone blitzes and everything to try to throw them off, which we weren't doing. It was pretty much Clay Matthews coming on every play along with, you know, the front three. Maybe another guy mm-hmm. coming, but for the most part, it was sit back in the zone and hope that he makes a mistake, which he doesn't do hardly ever. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't I don't know. It's 
I'd like to kind of sit in a defensive meeting one of these days before a game like this and see what the plan is and see how it goes because it seems like when we play a good quarterback, it always happens like this. And there's certain quarterbacks he loves to come after, like Cutler, like you said, but it's there's other ones where he won't even try it. Maybe Dom just says, you know what, we don't have a chance this week, so just put on your pads and get some good cardio in and hope Aaron <laughs> Rodgers has a good day. Yeah, I guess so. But it seemed like they would just sit in zone and get beat up, but then once they got closer to the red zone, they'd play a lot more man-to-man. And what did Jermon knock a couple of touchdown balls out of Jimmy Graham's hands and other people? Once they switched to, to man-to-man, it seems like they clamped down, because what did they force? Two field goals? And granted, it's they didn't play great in the, the red zone, but they certainly played better than they did in the middle of the field. Yeah, and just like if you were to just look at the score, you would say probably no way Drew Brees throws for 450 yards. I mean, they only put up 27 points, and that was in large part to us kind of cracking down when they got closer and forcing a couple field goals. But And can I just throw out there quick that you talked about Tremont Williams a little bit. I think he's coming on as one of the best cover corners in the league. Watching the majority of other teams, I've seen it, most teams play a game this season, or at least a little bit of it. I haven't seen anybody doing what he's doing right now. It's been absolutely incredible. And it seems like it's so under the radar somehow on a team like ours that's so good. And I, I know the Packers kind of consistently stay under the radar other than maybe Aaron Rodgers, but mm-hmm. it just seems like he's he could be one of the top five in the league right now, and nobody's talking about him. I would agree with that. I, I think before the injury last year, he was there. In 2010, he certainly was. Last year, he was kind of hurt with injuries, and well, that's what injuries are. But <laughs> he was kind of he was kind of hurt a little bit. Uh, yeah, he's been phenomenal so far this year. And the, the fact that they could move Charles Woodson to safety shows how much confidence they have in him to be a shutdown corner. And I know Woodson wasn't what he was, but to have Tremont Williams one-on-one with Jimmy Graham down in the red zone a couple of times yesterday is just tremendous. And he won those matchups. Yeah. Uh, so a guy like Jimmy Graham, I know we were watching him at Curly's Pub on week one, and the guy looks completely uncoverable most of the time. And to have a guy like Tremont Williams be able to physically match up with him is is something that was pretty darn impressive. I don't think there's been a guy who's been physically more overmatched with the targets he's played against so far uh, when you think about Jimmy Graham, obviously, like you said, is generally unstoppable. Brandon Marshall, a big receiver, a lot bigger than than Tremont Williams is, mm-hmm. completely shut him down. Uh, obviously, Seattle and San Francisco, not a lot of great targets there, but he's been physically overmatched. And as a guy who was undrafted, to how does how does everybody miss on a guy like this? I know he was from Louisiana Tech, but to be completely undrafted for a guy who looks so good now, I mean, he might have developed a lot under. Dom Capers and being with the rest of these guys on the defense like Woodson, but mm-hmm. it's absolutely incredible. Yeah, I, I got to agree with you there. So uh, definitely, is he wrapped up long-term, do you know? Well, I'm sure he's probably n- not considering he's going to be probably requesting a lot bigger contract than he is than he's mm-hmm. currently playing under. I, I believe he has a couple more years, if I'm right. Okay. But I'm sure that there could be some issues with that in the near future here. This is a guy we've got to sign. I, maybe we can get into this maybe this week, maybe a different week, but there's a lot of guys that we need to kind of think about if we want to re-sign or not. And he's a guy that you, especially with the age of Woodson and kind of the lack of depth in the entire secondary, this is a guy we absolutely have to re-sign. Yeah, I was going to say I don't want to advocate it because they're two of my favorite Packers of all time, but uh, there's a lot of money wrapped up in number 21 and number 80 uh, that yeah. could go to a lot of other guys. And uh, it's something uh, to think about. Hopefully they don't have to make any really tough decisions with those two guys, and it'll kind of naturally play itself out. But 
Um, <laughs> there's a lot of guys that are waiting to get paid. Uh, Clay Matthews is looking for money, and uh, Aaron Rodgers is criminally underpaid right now when you compare him to the rest of the league. Yeah. Uh, so that's going to have to be a big one. So as far as the defensive performance, is that something that concerns you that they kind of got torched yesterday, or is it uh, kind of an anomaly and that Drew Brees maybe deserves more credit than we're giving him, even uh, considering the fact uh, that Dom tends to have these tendencies against good quarterbacks? Yeah, it doesn't bother me too much. I mean, again, they only allowed 27 points, so again, they got gashed for yardage. They did pretty good against the run. I Maybe the Saints ran it, what, like three times the entire game? <laughs> yeah. But I, I can only remember maybe three or four runs, so uh, you're going to get that, especially when they're down. They're going to throw it, and you're going to get beat. But to only allow 27 points, and frankly, I thought they looked they looked a lot better to me. I know there was a lot of open guys, but they looked a lot better than you would think when you see that they gave up 450 yards. So yeah, I'm not I'm not concerned about it. It's probably the other best offense in the NFL, other than ours, I would say, anyways. And uh, I think I think they still look pretty good, and I think that it's it's not real reason for concern. So I, I think going forward against offenses that aren't that explosive will be just fine, and hopefully Capers starts bringing some more pressure. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. Uh, I'm not holding out my, any hope that Dom Capers is going to adjust against some of these great quarterbacks because it's been, what, four yeah, years now? consistent. Yeah. Just looking at the numbers real quick, the Saints had 19 carries for 45 yards running. Uh, so <laughs> that's pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, I think the Saints were the sixth best rushing team in the NFL last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, granted, they didn't commit to it much yesterday, but still, that's you, you don't give much chance to commit to it, and 19 carries isn't all that few. So no, it's it's more than I remember there being, especially with them playing catch up. So mm-hmm. uh, but longest yeah, run 40, was nine yards by Darren Sproles. Yeah, 45 yards on 19 is a pretty good average. I don't know what it, that is exactly, but like two and a half or something like that. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty darn good. I think they'll be able to bully some of these teams, and, and they don't play a lot of great quarterbacks this year, um, especially with the way Stafford's playing. Uh, I think they're going to be able to rush, rough up their division foes a little bit here. We'll see how much respect uh, Dom Capers has for, for Matt Schaub when they play that game. <laughs> I wonder wonder how he'll treat that, if he thinks he's a, a bum like Jay Cutler or if he thinks he's actually a really good quarterback. Yeah, it's interesting when they're quarterbacks that we haven't really played a whole lot. So mm-hmm. have we ever played against Matt Schaub? Yeah, we were in the stadium. Oh, that's right. He was the starter that day. That was yeah four years ago, and he was the starter. That was probably his first year as a Texans quarterback. Um, yeah, first or second. Um, yeah, I can't remember. Might have been might have been his second because um, David Carr was there till '06, and I think they got Schaub right after him. Yeah, I think you're right. But yeah, that'll be interesting. Uh, so I think overall a pretty impressive win for the Packers, even considering the fact that they only won by one point on a sort of missed field goal. Um, real quick, did you think that was a penalty, Matt? Um, yeah, I th- I think that it was. It was a lot of times you'll see at the end of the game that won't get called, but but I'm obviously glad it did. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's it kind of seems like Garrett Hartley's that kind of guy that even going into it without that penalty, I was thinking this guy's gonna miss this kick. <laughs> I, uh, I I don't have a lot of confidence in him. I know he hit hit a, you know some big kicks in the Super Bowl and on their playoff run, but this is a guy for me that I love to see. If you're gonna have a guy kick, try to kick a game-winning kick against you. He's a guy that you kind of see and say, all right, we still got a chance, as opposed to some of the other guys around the league, like if you're playing against Detroit or, or Robbie Gold or, or some of these other guys. Right, yeah, so. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was a penalty, but a lot of times it's not called. Uh, I guess they had called a couple other holding penalties on the extra points. So yeah, maybe this was a crew that just likes to call that. <laughs> yeah, right away it kind of seemed like they were, after the second one I started thinking, they must be 
have seen something and are trying to crack down on it right away because they call two on extra points, one on us, one on them, I believe. Mm-hmm. And it you don't see those hardly ever. Mm-hmm. So it must have been something they were seeing from both teams, and it was getting a little vicious, so they must have said, let's just put a stop to this now. But obviously it happened to get at the end of the game and cost New Orleans big time. Yeah, draft triplets crew always seems really weird. Like yeah. it, I mean, we always holding is what we make fun of it. <laughs> it's on there, but yeah. it, it always seems like the game is not quite right. Feels like it happens every time he's there. So hopefully we don't get him again this year. Yeah, I know. It, in going into the game, I was like, can't wait for the regular refs, and I saw that he was our referee, <laughs> and that when he was talking to Rogers and McCarthy, I just was like, oh no! <laughs> it's like you kind of had that feeling that something like this was going to happen again, and that it was going to be the talk of ESPN. And I haven't heard too much today about the bad calls, but. It just, you kind of had that feeling, it's like, not triplet, like, he's the last guy, if I could choose one ref to ref today, that I would want, and that, uh, you're right, it always seems weird, he always seems to make these bizarre calls, like, again, I'll use the, the fumble was, was awful, that they did, that they called oh, that he yeah. was down. He I saw that, that in real time, I said, balls yeah. out, and they're right there, I, I could see it off the HD broadcast in real time, how did they miss that? Yeah, not even close, and if you have any doubt, you call it a live ball, because mm-hmm. that can at least be overturned, mm-hmm. but... The Jimmy Graham catch, they showed it on the replay on TV. You see the close-up. They do the Super Fox zoom in there, and you see the ball bounce off the ground while he's trying to bring it to his hip. It didn't even look close to me. Mm-hmm. And it just seems like he's the ref that if somebody's going to overturn something or make a play stand that doesn't look even close, it's going to be him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that Jimmy Graham play I, I didn't think was very good at all. People were saying the Bird Emanuel rule where it's allowed to hit the ground, but I don't think he had it that secured. No, it, and you could see it moving, at least in my opinion. Maybe that's my Packer goggles, but it looked like it was definitely moving around when he hit the ground. Yeah, and, and a lot of other officiating crews would have called that. Um, it, I don't know, it was maybe a kind of a gray area a little bit there, but you don't see that upheld very often, so no. that was, was kind of weird. They really oh, need and, uh, One more thing, I didn't know if we were going to brush on it too much here, but can we at least talk a little bit about the Mike McCarthy fake punt? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Territory? I, yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll just mention this real quick, and then I'll, I'll let you uh, kind of go over it a little bit. But when I was so mad that they had that Randall Cobb spot really close, and then they kind of changed their mind and moved it back, or, and I just said, like, really muttering to myself uh, loud enough that everybody could hear, of course, but I'm just kind of sitting there back against the, the couch like, God, I'm like, if they did that to me, I'd just fake it just to screw with him. <laughs> and then as soon as I say that, he snaps it to Coon. And I'm like, I can't believe they actually did that. That's like something I would do on Madden because I was PO'd that they took a call away from me. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I I couldn't believe it. And there's not one other coach in the NFL, I don't think, that, that makes that call. Regardless of what you see on tape and how much of a gap there might be there and how they're not defending it at all, how do you call that that deep in your own territory? <laughs> well, and you're not playing the Rams or the Jaguars or somebody that you know is not scoring more than nine points. Right. It was, uh, honestly, it was a bad call in my opinion. I'm maybe a little more conservative and I love to play the field position game, but it was sh- <laughs> shocking to me. And obviously, since they came up with it, it's a great call now. But if you don't get that, that's that could have cost you the game, and it probably would have, mm-hmm. you know. And looking back on it now, they got it, and it might have won us the game. So yeah, that's very possible. Because what they went up, did they go up twenty-one to seven after that? I think. Yep. Yep. Okay. I think they scored a touchdown on that same drive and went up fourteen. So mm-hmm. it's like I said, I don't think there's any other coach that does that. And we've seen this consistent from McCarthy. I mean, that fake field goal a couple weeks ago that they made was just you know maybe not quite as as gutsy as that one, but it was uh, pretty darn close considering it was fourth and twenty-six and they had to score. So yeah. 
you know, I was just watching the game, and I, I wasn't even really paying attention too much because I figured it's just the pond, fair catch. But all of a sudden, you see him go, and I'm just, like, shaking my head. It's like, all right, McCarthy, that was, that was <laughs> pretty pretty ballsy. And it's something that we see from him time and time again, and it, it always shocks me every time, even though it probably shouldn't at this point. But really glad we came up with it because it would have been huge if we didn't. I was expecting him to uh, snap it to John Kuhn and have him throw it down the left sideline because I think it was uh, fourth and two, so that's that's the fourth and two play. That, yeah. that never works. Well, obviously, or Kuhn up the middle is the other fourth down play that never works. So maybe they should stick to these fake punts and fake field goals if they want to go for it on fourth down. And one last thing about the Saints game, Matt. Uh, because of last week in the fiasco, I didn't get the opportunity to share any wacky Saints facts. And I don't think I did the, the week before for Seattle. But I found a very uh, interesting gem about the New Orleans Saints. Well, let's hear it. Well, I'll let you guess first. Do you know why the New Orleans Saints are a unique opponent uh, for the Packers in the NFC. Oh, man, I I have no idea where you're going with that. Okay. They're the only NFC team that the Green Bay Packers have never played in a postseason game. Really? Yeah, they've played everybody else. That is kind of surprising to think about that. I, we've been in the playoffs a lot, and I guess they haven't so much except for recently, so I guess it makes a little sense. Yeah, well, if the first, like, 30 years of your franchise history had about four playoff games, it's kind of hard to to get a lot of memorable matchups with everybody. Yeah, I guess in the 70s and 80s, we weren't in the playoffs a whole lot either. No, and neither were the Saints, so... Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it's interesting. They've played uh, played everybody else. So, <laughs> just thought I'd throw that out there. <laughs> uh, so, let's talk about the rest of the league uh, real quick here. And We're about the quarterway point. I know a couple teams had bye weeks this past week, but we're starting to kind of get an idea of what this season's going to be like, and uh, the, obviously the biggest story is that this is going to be one of those weird seasons that we called a couple weeks ago and even were talking about in the preseason. Some weird 4-0 teams, some 4-0 teams you expected, uh, some last-place teams that you didn't quite expect. Let's go down and we'll talk about one team that you think is definitely for real and a threat to win the Super Bowl that's good now, uh, a team that's bad that you think will be okay, uh, a team that's good that you think will taper off, and a team that stinks that you think will continue to stink. Uh, so let's start with the, let's go from the top down. Who's a team that started off uh, pretty poorly um, that, maybe not your Cleveland Browns, but a team that started off poorly that you don't think is going to improve? I think I'm going to go with the Detroit Lions here. I think that a lot of people are shocked that they're 1-3, and frankly, I'm not. I think that this team is dysfunctional. I don't think they're that talented. They have, I said this in the preview that we had, they have two good players in my opinion. And I think the defensive line's pretty good, but it's not enough to make up for that secondary that they have, and I also think they're a little overrated. So I think the Detroit Lions, they aren't going to go 1-15 or anything by any means, but I see this team finishing under 500, and I never thought they were that good, and I still, you know, it, I'm just feeling even more comfortable with saying that, that this team isn't there yet. A lot of people thought they'd arrived last year. I don't think they have. Yeah, that's definitely a good pick. Uh, they you shared a stat on that game yesterday that said if you take away that 5-0 and start from last year, in their last 16 games, they're 6-10. and uh, so other than that 5-0 and start, they've pretty much been the same old Detroit Lions since then. Uh, so that, I thought that was kind of interesting. I will no, go think, ahead. think quick if they lose Matthew Stafford or Calvin Johnson. Think about how bad this seems going to be. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they might be pretty bad with them anyways. But yeah, they could be uh, one of those stereotypical 2-14 and 14 Lions teams that we've grown accustomed to seeing the last 10 years. Yeah. My team might not be quite as surprising as Detroit, but I'm just surprised at how bad they were, considering they were 
you know, a couple plays and tiebreakers away from uh, the playoffs last year. Oakland stinks. They're horrible. And they might be the poster boys for how weird this season is because they looked pretty bad against San Diego. They got beat up by the Miami Dolphins. They got absolutely crushed by the Denver Broncos yesterday. And then they beat Pittsburgh in the meantime. So I don't really know what to expect from this team, but this team looks completely inept. Um, they're 70 or 58 points in the hole right now as far as uh, point differential. And for a team that people thought might be in the thick of things in the NFC West, or AFC West, excuse me, uh, this team just looks like, uh, <laughs> they look like the same old Raiders of the last 10 years where this team does not look like they're going to be good at all this year. They might be the worst team in the NFL right now. Yeah, they certainly look like it, and I think, you know, with having Carson Palmer and being in a weak division, you know, we kind of both talked about this this in our preview uh, show that we could see them being really good or we could see them being really bad, and I haven't gotten to see a ton of Raiders games so far, so I don't want to break them down too much, but it, it does seem like just extremely inconsistent, the defense is really bad, and, and McFadden has really been a disappointment to me. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk about a team who's struggling right now. Um, uh, what team do you think that's got off to a rough start is going to bounce back and uh, you expect to make the playoffs? You know what? I, there, I'm, there's nobody I'm real sold on. I think just because of who they are, I think I would probably go with Pittsburgh. I think, though, without you know having Palomalu playing a lot and Harrison's been out, I think that it's it's going to be tough for them to make the playoffs with Baltimore being in that division. And, you know, Cincinnati's no pushover either, so... I think if there's somebody that can do it that's, you know, started with maybe zero or one wins, I would say probably them. I think New Orleans is going to bounce back, but I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. So if we're talking a team that's going to bounce back here and make the postseason, I guess I would have to go with Pittsburgh. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with Pittsburgh. Uh, Really looking over the landscape of some of the other teams that aren't too good, you really trust that Pittsburgh can get back in it. Uh, They've had two uh, pretty bad losses on the road, though. I I think Denver is, is decent. I tempted to pick them for this category, but I think Denver's played pretty well. Uh, they actually have scored uh, uh, 31 more points than they've allowed, and they're only 2-2. Two and two. So um, I think Pittsburgh will probably be okay since they're Pittsburgh. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they miss the playoffs, but uh, I think they they have the pieces in place to definitely make a run at it over some of these other teams that have started quite poorly. All right, Matt, who's a team that's playing well right now that people are starting to get excited about, their fans are starting to think that this is the year that they might be able to make a run, who's going to come crashing to earth pretty shortly? Oh, man. Um, well, there's a couple ones, actually. I think this is a lot easier than the last category here because I think there's actually some good choices here. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's two big ones that stick out to me, but I'm going to go with the Arizona Cardinals. I think this defense is really good, and I think it's, it's enough to carry them to some more wins this season, but... I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. It just seems like one of those teams, maybe like the Bills last year, that has a hot start. But you can't keep going with that offense. It's so terrible. Mm-hmm. They don't have a run game. They don't have a quarterback. They basically have one elite wide receiver, and that's it. And as good as their defense is, when they start playing some offenses here, uh, they're going to be in trouble. And I think that I wouldn't be shocked if they finished under 500. And I definitely don't think that they're going to make the playoffs. Yeah, I think that's a really <laughs> that's a really good one. Especially they're, they're Arizona. You kind of expect them to, to do yeah. that. The obvious one I think people want to say is the Minnesota Vikings, but I don't think they've really played all that great. So I don't know if anybody would be that surprised if they fall off. Uh, they didn't even score an offensive touchdown yesterday, and and they won. So I'm actually going to pick one that's a little bit different, and I hope I'm wrong because I really like this team. But I don't think Cincinnati is going to be able to sustain. Um, they've really only played one good team, and uh, they got beat up by them pretty good. Uh, they 
they've, they've been okay, but they played like Jacksonville and, and Washington in a shootout. And Andy Dalton is a lot better than I thought he would be this year. He just looks mm-hmm. like he's going to be a really good player. I just don't think they're going to be able to sustain this. They got some really nice offensive weapons, but they seem very inconsistent. And once they start playing Pittsburgh and Baltimore and some of those better AFC teams, uh, I think there could be some big problems for them. So uh, they're going to be closer than some of these other teams, like maybe Arizona or Minnesota. But I, I don't know if they're going to be able to sustain this. I'm looking at, for this team. I, I picked them to go 6-10. and 10. They're a little better than I thought they would, but I still think anywhere in that 6-8 to eight wins is probably where I expect them to end. Yeah, I can see that. And, you know, the one thing is, is I thought the same thing last year. This team just doesn't look impressive ever, but mm-hmm. they make the playoffs, and they're 3-1. and one. It's a great start. I think that they could do it again. I Kind of the reason why I picked Pittsburgh that they might have a chance to make the playoffs is just because who else is going to get in in front of them? Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at the landscape there, and right now you have some teams that, you know, you're not really probably too sold on to, to like Denver is in right now. You would see Cincinnati in right now. It it just doesn't have those feels of like elite teams. So if, if somebody can sneak in like Cincinnati, sure, they might lose to Pittsburgh and Baltimore a couple times, but if they're beating up on all these bad teams in the AFC, they might still have a chance to make the playoffs. And that's a very good point. So so we'll see. Um, I guess the AFC is really kind of weird. It seems like there's a very uh, noticeable line between the playoff contenders and then the teams that just really stink. <laughs> so, yeah, there's so, about three good teams, and then the rest are going to be fighting for those last three spots. Yeah, and just while we're looking at a couple other teams that suck are the Jets and Bills. <laughs> I think they're in big trouble, both of those teams. Yeah, and the Jets get more coverage for a bad team than anybody else, and I don't if you listen to the radio, or I was listening to the Jim Rome today, and it, they just make it seem like they're the worst team that's ever existed. But I think it's just because everybody got so sick of the hype, and yeah. that finally now that they're so bad, everybody can just rip them to shreds, and they love it. And you know, I, I kind of <laughs> feel a little bit bad for them. And I, I know they put the team together like this. And today they just signed uh, Barry, that corner from Detroit, that had gotten arrested twice this off season. So solid, solid addition there. Yeah, it, that's fixing their problems. So. I agree. I, I don't think they're as bad as everybody's saying, but I think that they're at, in in the off season. I predicted that they were going to be a team, maybe nine and seven, ten and six, and they look a lot worse than I expected. But mm-hmm. the Bills are. How do you give that game up? That was just miserable yesterday, and I was rooting for them, and mm-hmm. it's just a complete debacle in the in the third quarter, in the fourth quarter. I don't. I still have no idea why they are treating Ryan Fitzpatrick in that town like he's a franchise quarterback. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he threw for like 400 yards, but four picks is is not going to get you to beat teams like uh, New England. No, maybe they should go pick up Josh McCown after this and try to build a <laughs> franchise around him. Oh, another real quick team that isn't going to sustain is, I, I would be surprised if San Diego sustains. Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Right now. That division's pretty even, and I think, again, like we've seen in the past year, I think the winner of that division is probably going to be 10-6, and 9-7, and seven. Mm-hmm. and... They have not looked impressive. They're three and one. They got killed by Atlanta. Yeah, they're not very good, and I I think they're going to get exposed this year too. So I completely agree with you there. I think that they probably won't finish over nine wins. I would say probably nine and seven at the most. Well, when I was rummaging around the internet last week, I found a very interesting stat. And did you know that Norv Turner actually has an NFL record? It's probably a negative one. He has coached the most games all time for a coach with an overall losing record. Really? I, he just hangs on everywhere. <laughs> he, nobody want, he must be like the nicest guy ever because nobody wants to let him go. Yeah, he's like, every time they try to fire him, the players are like, no, it's our fault. Maybe he's just yeah. a master manipulator. He just <laughs> yeah. talks down to them all the time and convinces them that they're terrible. <laughs> 
Okay. Um, and then the other thing I was going to mention before I sidetracked is, is anybody in the world, including the players on the team, surprised that the Giants are 2-2, two and two, but nobody believes that they're going to miss the playoffs? No. I mean, or, or at least going to be, be close. So eight to ten wins. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we see this every year. They're obviously not going to have a good regular season. They're going to win, you know, like you said, eight to ten games. And then if they make the playoffs, they're going to go on a crazy run. And if they don't, nobody's going to be real shocked. And they'll probably be calling for Tom Coughlin's job. And it's it's the same story every year. So, <laughs> what a, I mean, we can't be surprised at this point. What a weird team. Imagine yeah, if they did it are. again. Like, I don't even I don't even know how to describe that team anymore. All right, so who do you think is the best team in the NFL right now? I think there's two pretty clear candidates. Uh, I'd yeah. be curious to see what you think. I'm, I'm going to go with Houston. I just think that, if, I mean, if you're looking at the 4-0 teams, I think them in Atlanta, I think they've looked a lot more complete than Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I think Matt Ryan has taken some big steps this year, but I still think that Houston is just a lot more balanced. I think that defense is way better than Atlanta's is. And, you know, I might, uh, I know we're 2-2 two and two and I'm a Packer fan, so it's biased, but I, really feel comfortable putting us in that conversation too. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Houston for now because they have two more wins than we do, but don't be surprised if by the end of the year we're maybe 13-3 and three or 12-4 and four and right into the discussion here. So mm-hmm. I think uh, I'll go with Houston for now. I think they're just absolutely complete. They've got an elite receiver, elite running backs, a good quarterback if he stays healthy, and every other position on the team is, is complete and they just look, they're making it look really easy and I think that they're so far by far the best team. And I'm going to have to agree with you. I think Atlanta's done some good things, but they're still the Falcons, and I don't necessarily trust them uh, once playoff time comes around. They've looked pretty much identical as they've looked since um, Mike Smith and Matt Ryan have got there. Mm-hmm. They they can beat a lot of teams, and then sometimes, like yesterday, they'll have a hiccup against a team that's not so great. Um, Matt Ryan does look better this year. Uh, I'll give you that. Uh, but I think Houston just... They look a level above everybody else right now. I think they're leading the league in point differential. Um, yeah, 126 yeah, points for 56 allowed. Um, they almost look like the Dallas Cowboys in the 90s, where they would just come out there and they would just look like a machine. Everybody is doing their job right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think when you look at those two teams, this is really exactly what I expected at the start of the season. I think I predicted Houston 13-3, and Atlanta 12-4. and Mm-hmm. And I predicted Atlanta to get knocked out in the playoffs and Houston to go to the Super Bowl just because I think that Atlanta's defense is not – I think if they had Brent Grimes, that would be huge for them. I think that's yeah. going to – they're going to end up getting exposed there, and I think it's going to really hurt them. And I don't think that defense is as good as it, it's looked so far. But I just feel like more than any other team in the league, Houston has a good player at every position. They don't have any holes and I think that the pass rush, which we've seen in recent history, is the big thing that'll get you there. And they've got it. And uh, one of the best defensive linemen in the league, and JJ Watt, some really good linebackers, some good guys in the secondary. So mm-hmm. I think that they're for real. And I think if they don't win, you know, 13 games this regular season, I'm going to be kind of surprised. Yeah, I got to agree with that. Uh, I did say the Arizona Cardinals would start four and all, though. Everybody heard me that, right? Uh, I hey, I did. I did say they were going to be one of my surprise teams this year. I thought they could be pretty good. That's true. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I guess I can't even steal that one from you. Uh, I'm cheering for the Falcons. One last thing before we put this uh, to bed. I really want Atlanta and uh, maybe Arizona. I want those to be the two first round buys. Let the Packers start. Don't even make the Packers start at home. Give them the six seed at Minnesota. Let's play indoors the whole way, <laughs> and let's win the Super Bowl again. Uh, be, yeah, that would be quite the playoff run there to just be able to go to Minnesota, then play maybe Arizona, and then Atlanta in the NFC Championship game. I would, I would take that in a heartbeat. I think the Packers need to get home field advantage and then find some kind of 
hometown corrupt building inspector that they can get to condemn Lambeau Field during the construction and say, oh, we got to play all of our home games at Ford Field for the playoffs or something like that. Maybe not Ford Field, the Georgia Dome. All right. Yeah, a dome. Yeah, definitely a dome, though, for this fast-track offense. I want to play indoors. Yeah. (laughs) All right, so this has been a long episode of Green and Gold Forever. You could argue, Matt, that it went forever. No, uh, I get, I get you. Okay, that was a bad pun. I was just trying to <laughs> trying to go out with some sizzle here, but it it completely struck out. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll talk to you next week after we. Do you want to say anything about the Colts real quick or not? No, nope, I guess we don't have to go into it too in depth here. I, I mean, I, this would be a game I would be really surprised if they lost. I think that they are uh, overmatch overmatching Indianapolis, and I think that it should be. You obviously don't want them to overlook it, but I feel like it should be a pretty easy win. Yeah, I gotta agree with you. I was gonna ask for a score. I'll say, it seems like a 34-17 kind of game where you're gonna get beat a couple times by Andrew Luck, but you're probably gonna win more than you're gonna lose, and, uh, I think the offense will roll. Yeah, I think so too. I think, I don't think that secondary stands a chance against us, but I agree. I think Andrew Luck will probably beat us a couple times. I would probably say around that same kind of a score, maybe like 30 to 17 or something like that. Okay, so. Hopefully the Packers can meet our expectations or at the very least win the football game. And real quick before we leave you today, we're going to share some of the comments we had on the Facebook page. And I want to thank everybody. Uh, we got a lot more people to like the Facebook page, some new followers on Twitter. Uh, thank you, everyone, for, for listening to us last week and for continuing to listen to us this week. And we'd love to hear from you. Uh, if you'd ever want to contribute your comments to the show, you can go to Green and Gold Forever Podcast on Facebook. You can go to Twitter. That's Green Gold Forever. Uh, that's the number four and the word ever. You can also go to see all of our archives and our full show at our Podbean website, which is greengoldforever.podbean.com. That's, and that's with a number four, right? Um, let me check. Um, my assistant says that is, in fact, the number four <laughs> okay. uh, on the Green and Gold uh, for, Green Gold Forever podcast. Or greengoldforever.podbean. Uh, now I'm all screwed up. Uh, just go back and listen to what I said about ten seconds ago. That's the right one. So you can reach us at any one of those places. And Matt, what was that comment that we had on Facebook? All right, so one of our listeners, Brian, here says that the offense started to show up finally. Saints played dirty as usual, and the game just got out of control in the second half. And I feel like that's mostly some of the things that we had touched on earlier. I know you had agreed with him a lot more than I did, I guess, in terms of the dirty play. But, you know, the offense starting to show up is is a, a big bonus for everybody here in Packerland. Yeah, uh, I agree. I think the offense was good. And, and the referees did, I think, lack some control in this game as opposed to some of the other games we saw uh, yesterday and on Thursday where the regular referees seemed to have a lot, have a lot of control, whereas yeah. our Jeff Triplett crew that, that we had kind of criticized didn't seem to have all that much control, especially in the second half. Mm-hmm. So hopefully they... They can get some replacement refs just for that crew. <laughs> yeah. All right, so uh, we'll uh, talk with all of you next week. Uh, contribute all your comments on the, the Facebook page, uh, Twitter, on Podbean, and uh, we'll try to get to some of those next week, and hopefully we can discuss another Packers win in Indianapolis. So until then, uh, for Matt Out in Lacrosse, I'm Eric and Oshkosh. Take care, everyone. <laughs>